0: I uh, wanted to read this to you, I get a, a lot of mail, probably 250-300 a day, and of course I can't respond to everything, but some things are good, and then there's other things. This is one that I got yesterday, I think it was, or it might have been Friday, it says, I noticed a pamphlet on my windshield this morning as I was leaving mass, please don't worry about us Catholics going to heaven. If you want to evangelize someone, start with the atheists and stay out of our parking lot. Have a great day. (laughs) Somebody went to somebody's parking lot. And somebody passed out tracks on somebody's car. So I wrote him a nice letter. And this is what I, I said. I am the pastor of Calvary Community Church on George Road here in Tampa. The pamphlet you received on your windshield was no doubt placed there by Catholics who came to our church and learned how to know for certain they would go <laughs> to heaven. We have had about 10 Catholics visit the last several weeks with each one stating that they had never heard this before. They are probably greatly concerned that other Catholics would like to know what they have found. In my 75 years, only one person has ever asked me where I would spend eternity. I carry no malice nor any disdain for any attempt to share with me what he believed to be true. If you believe that what you have is the truth, then you also know that if I don't believe what you believe, I must be going to hell. Why haven't you been putting flyers on the car windows in our parking lot? <laughs> now, this is not to be sarcastic or mean or ugly or unkind. But if they believe they're right, they should do everything they can to reach me. Don't you agree? They should be trying to reach me. Don't you care where I am going when I die? (laughs) Whoever placed a pamphlet on your windshield must be someone who really believes you may have doubts about your eternal destiny. Don't you believe that it is easier to assume that everyone is lost than to believe that everyone is saved? If all Catholics knew they had eternal life and were certain of going to heaven, why would they come searching at our church? After receiving such a pamphlet, wouldn't it be easier to simply read a pamphlet and thank the Lord someone cared enough about you to share it? You also may, with the flip of the wrist, discard it and let it go. Thank you very much. His response. (laughs) Unlike you, I would not condemn you or anyone for what you believe. And I certainly would not say you're going to hell for what you believe. But I noticed that many of your ilk assume all Catholics are headed there. I'll pray for you and you pray for me and we will leave the rest to the good God who made us both. So, I don't usually respond, but I just felt compelled to say a few kind words. And um, I have since then found out who did it. As they say, they are among us. And so if you feel like when you get ready to leave and you want some of those little tracks up there, Jesus has gone to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Even those you might think know the Lord might not know the Lord. I would assume that everybody is lost until I knew differently. I just don't assume that everybody knows the Lord. Have you noticed that at the end of almost all of our services, I give the gospel? If you listen to the radio, unless it's a two-part sermon, I give the gospel because I don't assume everybody is going to heaven. I would rather assume that everybody is not. At least, I'll try to reach them. And so, therefore... I do seek to give the gospel. But I also got another one. This one has a question mark after it. And it has in bold letters, once saved, always saved, question mark. Here is where I will discuss the widespread false doctrine today of once saved, always saved. Also known as OSAS. The doctrine of once saved, always saved is one of the most impending threats within Christianity today. Now they know that that's going to generate a little antagonism. It's going to make me wonder, should I let this go when they have put it on our YouTube video? I think not. He says, this false doctrine of greasy grace. I've heard of cheap grace but never greasy grace. I guess this is the grace that slides off. (laughs) This false doctrine of greasy grace teaches that once you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you need not do anything more than the rest of your life because your one little moment of faith has sealed you for all eternity. You've got your free orange ticket to heaven. This is a topic that after years of debate and discussion, I am a foremost expert on debunking. Okay. I finally have met my match. <laughs> like this guy, he, he lost his wife and on the tombstone he put on there. My light has gone out. Two years later, he came back. I found a match. You'll get that after a while. You'll get that after that, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> He goes on and he makes a few statements. He says it compels him to present verses that those who believe in once saved, always saved, cannot answer. Now the Bible speaks an awful lot about having your faith overthrown, departing from the faith. And so there are individuals who will hear what somebody says and assume that Well, I guess I could lose my salvation. And they take verses that seems to say, and they perpetrate it off on people. See there? You can lose your salvation. And cause people to question and to doubt. See, when you question and doubt your own salvation, it doesn't make you live better. It makes you question the good that you are doing. And if you can't live better, then why why do it at all? And many people just quit and give up. Church, God, everything. So I want to give you a couple of these verses that I can't answer. And I'll give you my best rendition of it. Because, you see, if this guy could sit down with you, he might convince you. Unless you know how to answer the question. Now, I get these all the time, and they don't shake me up. They don't bother me one iota. Because I have an idea that that verse that he's referring to doesn't say what he thinks it says. Or there's a better explanation. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation in chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. This is one of the verses that he uh, anointed me with. And that um, prove that you can lose your salvation. Now if you were just sitting down and reading the Bible you might come across this verse and think the same thing. But like I mentioned last week, Ephesians 28 and 9 is still in the Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So a man cannot be saved by his works, any kind of works, at any time. So how I have lived my life how I am living my life or how I will live my life has nothing to do with earning me a way to heaven because all of my righteousness are as filthy rags. God says there's no good works. There are none good, not one. So no man has ever lived good enough to save himself in order to go to heaven. So therefore... A man can only be saved by grace, which means you don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. God gives it to you when you, by faith, believe that what he did on the cross, he did it for you, and you are accepting him as your Savior. That is the only way a man can be saved. But when God saves you and gives you that very moment eternal life, how long did he save you for? Forever. He didn't save you for a day, a week, a month. A year, or until you sinned again, he saved you forever. When Christ died for you, he paid for all of your sins and gave you the free gift of eternal life. Eternal life. How long would eternal life last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going when you die? To heaven. You're not going to heaven because you went to church and you lived a good life and you tried to pay all your bills and you tried to... L- no. The only reason you're going to heaven is because you accepted Christ as your Savior. And he didn't put conditions on it that, well, it means you've got to believe, but you've got to keep on believing. No. One time deal. When Christ went to the cross, how many times does he have to go to the cross? One time. That one little time. Yeah, one little time is very important. Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. One sin. One time. Look at the results. It's appointed unto every man once to die and after this the judgment. One time. Well, how come God can't save me at one time, give me eternal life, all my sins are paid, and I can know I'm going to heaven. What's wrong with that? Well, you don't deserve it. That's the point. You don't deserve it. God says by grace are you saved, so it's not by your works. So you take that understanding... And when you see any verse, it seems to say, you can say, well, now, there might be another explanation because the Bible does not contradict itself. God doesn't give you eternal life in one verse and then yank it away from you in another verse. So we notice this verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. There, see there, you can lose your salvation and go to hell. Now, there's several things that are missing in this verse. Uh, Hell's not mentioned. Losing salvation is not mentioned. And it's not actually talking to the one person as an individual. You see, he's talking about removing the candlestick. The candlestick, well, what's that? Look there in Revelation chapter 1. Look in verse 20. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in thy right hand, my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So a candlestick is the church or one individual? It's the church. Look there in verse 1 of chapter 2. Unto the angel of the Church of Ephesus, write These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in the right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks of churches. I know thy works and thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. So, what they were doing was not doing evil, but there was still a problem here. And so he says in verse 3, and hath borne and hath patience and for my namesake hath labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless he says I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You know I, we love him because he first loved us. When you first heard and understood that God loved you so much and you accepted him as your savior. And there generally is a A love that people have for the Lord and they begin to serve the Lord. They were serving the Lord because of their love for the Lord. And after a while, they're still serving, but the love isn't there. That can happen to you, can't it? As an individual, that can happen to you. You can be here this morning, but not love the Lord like you used to. So yes, you can lose that love that you used to have for the Lord. But losing your love for the Lord is not losing your salvation, you can lose the love, but not the salvation. You see, we're not going to heaven because we love God. We're going to heaven because God loves us. So this verse does not prove that a man can lose his salvation. It doesn't say that at all. That's because they're looking for a loophole, a verse that seems to say, so they can twist it and make you question or doubt whether you're going to go to heaven or not. Take your Bible and turn to Revelation 22. Revelation chapter 22, and he let me know, this verse really will get my goat. He says, this is the singular blockbuster verse of all verses that destroys the doctrine of eternal security. It's painfully obvious here that if you remove the words from the book of Revelation, then you will have your part In the book of life removed and you will not be in the holy city spoken of unless an once saved always believer is going to convert to believing in universalism or some new age doctrine. Then this verse is the cure-all for their heresy. So the verse we're going to read is the guarantee that a man loses his salvation. Now, remember, we always know what God did say. That if you're saved by grace then you cannot get it by good works, and it means you cannot lose it by bad works. Works cannot affect your salvation. After I'm saved, yes, I should serve the Lord, but my service to the Lord is not trying to earn my way to heaven. My lack of service might cost me rewards in heaven, and it may limit my joy, my fellowship, and a lot of other things and blessings in this life. But my salvation did not depend upon me. My salvation depended upon Christ keeping his word. You see, he's the one that meant business. I've had people say, Well, you gotta really mean business. Means you really gotta dig in there and give it all you got. No. God meant business. He meant what he said. He that believeth on me hath what? Everlasting life. I mean, I get all of that for this one decision. Yes, because it's the point that every man wants to die. He died for all my sins and my belief at one time gets me all of that. So if I trust Christ as my Savior today, he puts that payment to my account. The whole payment for all of my sins put to my account at one time, one moment in history. And can never be undone. Now look what he says here in verse 19. Revelation chapter 22, verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy, or book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So therefore, that's the verse that proves that God is going to cast you out of heaven, cast you out of the holy city, and uh, take your part out of there, and you can't go to heaven. And there's a, a verse that, Guarantees that. But also there's a verse right before it. And this is what verse 18 said. For I testify unto every man that hear the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto the things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Now, if it's talking to the believer, a believer cannot never, ever lose salvation. That's an impossibility. So there might be another reason. Or could the word part referred to an allotment, a portion, a whatever, something that I can lose, like a a little praise and honor, glory, that I won't have when I get to heaven. I might be referring to that. But I can only have two choices. One has got to be referring to the believer, or it's got to be referring to the unbeliever. That's the only kind of two people there are. So if it's talking about maybe an unbeliever, well, how will we know that? Well, let's just look at the context. You notice there in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star and the, get this, the bride spirit and the bride say come. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're doing with our life. And that's what the church is doing. Asking the lost man to come to Christ. He says, you will not come unto me that you might have life. So he says, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is athirst, come. And whosoever, see that word, you ought to underline that, whosoever will take him, let him take the water of life, what's the cost? Freely. So this water is the water of life. Talking about eternal life, it is free. So if it's free, it cannot be referring to any good deeds that a man can do. Nothing. Even if he adds to or takes away, it cannot change the fact that eternal life is free. But the man that you witness to, or that hears the gospel, in verse 18 when he says, For I testify unto, now get this, this is every man. Then the church and the Spirit is saying, come. But every man who hears this, the gospel invitation, every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to it, so if you add to the gospel of grace, is it grace? It's no longer grace. So you can't add to it and you can't take away from it. You can't take and remove grace from the good news of how to have this free. It's free. It's living water. It's what we preach to everybody in the world. But the lost man, and there's a world of people adding to and taking away. He can't really believe that. That's too simple. You've got to make more. You've got to add works to it. So you cannot add to the words of the prophecy of this book. Now there is a blessing that God says in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed are those who simply, they hear this word, read and hear. And that means hear means to understand. Hear means to accept. Hear means to believe it. And so because this book of Revelation is written to the church, and we're supposed to say to the lost, come. And if they come, they will have eternal life. But if they don't, The moment a person dies, all their opportunities are gone. The lot, the portion, part here says, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. In other words, the opportunity to have eternal life is gone forever. Look what he says there in verse 10 of chapter 22. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. In other words, when time is all over, and there is no more time, all opportunities are gone. However a man is when he dies, he's either just or unjust. If he is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he says, and that which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So only the wicked can do the filthy, and only the righteous can do the holy. So it's a separation of believers and unbelievers. So if you add to the Word of God because you don't believe what He said, when you take away from the Word of God because you don't believe what He said, and there's lost people who will not believe the simplicity of the gospel, all their opportunities, when they die, it's all gone. There are no more opportunities. You can't get into heaven. You can't get into the holy city. All your opportunities are shot. Now, it's either believers or it's to the Christian. Have fun. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy in chapter 4. I'll have to admit, that, that verse really threw me for a loop. 1 Timothy in chapter 4. This is a true verse that shows you that it is possible for God's people to go astray and to um, have shipwreck in their life. See there in, uh, before we read there, just look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and look what he says in verse 19. Verse 19 says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck." So you see, you and I, when we trust Christ as Savior, we're on the foundation, which is Christ. He is the rock. Then we're supposed to build on this rock. He says, take heed how you build. So you and I, as we learn the word of God, the verses in the Bible are like little boulders. And so our faith goes down and wraps around this verse. We believe that one. And our faith goes down and wraps around this verse. We believe that. So the more faith you have in more of these truths of God's Word, the more solid you will be. So some Christians, they're wide, they get involved and do a lot of things, but their roots are not deep, so they don't last. They burn out. So I'm just burn out. It's not because of anything God told you to do. The only reason you get burnt out is because your roots aren't deep. So you burn out because the sun gets hot and your roots aren't deep. You're not getting the moisture from the Word of God. In other words, I've been going at this thing for 55 years, and I haven't even come close to being burned out. I don't get tired of the Word of God. I don't, get, I don't even think I get weary in the Word of God, the work of God. I just go, 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 go. Why? Because my roots are deep within the Word of God that I have fresh water all the time, like a tree planted by the rivers of, of water. So you stay refreshed. You stay encouraged. The joy of the Lord is my strength. No joy, no strength. When you study what God's Word says and your faith is deep in the Word of God, then you can serve the Lord with joy. But it says some have made shipwreck of their life. Now, look what it says here in chapter uh, 4. Look in verse 1. We're talking about how to behave yourself in the house of the Lord. In verse 1, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some, not everybody, but some, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Does that mean that you lost your salvation? No, it doesn't mean you lose the salvation. It means you become a weak Christian. There are some Christians who are strong, and there's some Christians that are not very strong. Let's say, for example, if you become since you trusted Christ, a stronger Christian, are you more saved? You mean just because you got stronger doesn't mean you're more saved now. Because if you become a weaker Christian, does that mean you're less saved? See, they can't think. They, don't, they can't reason. There's no logic in their understanding. If God saves me and he gives me eternal life and said, I'll never cast you, i never lose you, then, blessed be God, believe that. And all the other verses in the Bible cannot contradict that truth. Means there might be another understanding of it. And there is, because the Word of God does not contradict itself.